0: Hi everyone, I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Andrew Gaffney and Dr. Aaron Canock from Stem Cell Technologies, who recently joined us for a webinar where they present a standardized stem cell line and its differentiation into neural cells for disease modeling and assay development. Let's jump right in. All right, well, we'll kick things off with a really great question here. So, um, the SCTI003A is a genetically female line, as you said. Uh, Do you also have a plan for a genetically male line?
1: Uh, Yeah, we do. So, we do um, have a genetically male line um, under manufacturing right now. We we plan on launching this hopefully over the next um, six months or so. Um, We hope to make many more lines in the future that are to a similar Uh, quality standards, the three A's that we just went through today. Um, So, yeah, you can look out for that uh, in the not too distant future, hopefully. Fantastic. Um, Great to hear.
0: Next one here. Uh, What is the difference between the SCTI
1: uh, 003A and IPSC Direct? Okay, yes. So basically um, SCTI 003A is a parent cell line that we've used to uh, make um, other products from. So basically um, IPSC Direct is manufactured from the uh, the 3A cell line. Uh, however, that's a high density and single use version of the 3A cell line. So the difference in format between the two is if you procure the 3A cell line, uh, this is frozen in uh, clumps or, or aggregates at approximately 1 million viable cells per vial whereas ipsc direct um, is manufactured from the 3as and uh, we um, we store that as single cells so you can count exactly how many cells you're placing into each um, vessel that you're using at approximately 10 million viable cells per vial so depending on what your application is if you want to keep your cells in long-term culture you'd buy the, uh, the, the parent 3a cell line if you're looking to immediately initiate downstream experiments such as differentiations or transfections immediately 24 hours after thawing your cells, um, uh, we'd recommend using iPSC Direct. Fantastic. Great answer. Um,
0: Another good one here. So what transfection reagent is recommended? And is there a a way to know um, the components of the stem diff SMAD neural induction media? Uh, And also are these differentiated cells mobile and do they migrate when coded on ESC major gel?
2: Yeah, I can take that one. Uh, So for transfecting the IPS cells, you could use either an electroporation system or you could use a lipid-based transfection system. The only thing that we recommend is that if you're plating cells down post-transfection that you plate in cloner two, uh, because that will greatly increase the survival of your cells post-transfection. Uh, As for the components of the SMAD-Eye media, obviously we can't divulge our formulations, but I think it's pretty clear from the name that the main driving force behind the the NIMS-SMAD-Eye media kit is the dual SMAD inhibition. So based on a lot of the literature, looking at uh, PSC to norectoderm differentiation, we're targeting a lot of those same pathways um, with the dual SMAD inhibitors that are present in the kit. And of course, the the basal media is formulated just to increase the optimal health and survival of the cells during that PSC to NPC transition. uh, Transition. and then for the last question, if they're mobile, I assume that's referring to the NPCs. I mean, you'll you'll see a little bit of movement around, but they're not migratory by any uh, sense of the word. Uh, so the NPCs will will generally stay within a, a confined area. They might move around a little bit, uh, but as they they start to differentiate, they will uh, elongate and then they will remain fixed in place.
0: Fantastic! Thanks a lot, Erin. All right, so another one, in the protocol of SCT, they mentioned that uh, you can passage NPC up to 10 passages, uh, but I usually observe abnormal morphologies starting from passage five. Uh, Do you think that's normal?
2: I think it tracks along very well with what I mentioned in the the latter part of the webinar where uh, after passage five, the NPCs will start to transition from a neurogenic fate to a gliogenic fate. And that transition to gliogenesis is often associated with a change in morphology where you'll see cells that were very small uh, and phase dark and defined to becoming larger and sort of more spread out. And people, uh, because there's a wide range of astrocyte morphologies from something that is very protoplasmic looking to something that is very spiky to radial glia that are almost neuronal in morphology. I think when people say after passage five, I see abnormal morphology, what they're actually seeing is that range in glial morphologies that are starting to crop up as that transition from primarily neurogenesis to primarily gliogenesis is occurring. So you can continue to passage the NPCs. It's just that after passage five, you're going to see a shift uh, in the percentage of neurons that are being generated going down and the percentage of glia that are generated going. up.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Thanks a lot. Um, so. What, what do you mean by a single use for the IPSC Direct?
1: Okay, yeah, good question. So basically the the, the main difference, as I mentioned, bef- between the two uh, products, the 3As and, and IPSC Direct, is the format in which we've generated the product. 3A um, is intended for long-term culture. You can keep the cells you know, going for many passages and then pull the cells out of long-term culture whenever you wish to use them. So what we mean by single use is that um, for IPSC Direct, you simply take a vial out of the freezer whenever you want to use it and immediately go into your downstream experiments. For this particular product, um, we don't permit the long-term Culture of these cells unless a license fee is paid. So there is a license fee associated with the uh, with the main three A cell line. Um, however, for IPSC Direct, there isn't because it's not kept in long term culture. So single use is for one particular downstream application per vial every time you freeze it.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that that uh, goes into a nice pair of questions that were asked here. Um, which was whether there was license fees involved in using the uh, 003 line and IPSC direct. And also another one asking if there was any license fees involved in the IPSC-derived NPCs.
1: Yeah, so basically the, uh, the the difference between these three products when it comes to fees, as I mentioned, is that for the three A's, um, there is a license fee involved. This is um, $5,000 a year for um, uh, uh Commercial entities. Um, however, we there there is a uh, the, the possibility for applying for a fee waiver if you're a non profit uh, institute. Um, if you're looking in to purchase that line, there are no fees associated with IPSC Direct and the neural progenitor cells. Just the parent line for long term culture. Fantastic. All right. Thanks a lot.
0: Um, so to generate neurons from cryopreserved NPCs or neuron precursors. Uh, Which one do you think would be better?
2: I don't think it's a question of better. I think it's a question of what do you need them to be able to do. So the advantage of starting from NPCs is that you have a little bit of expansion time before you differentiate into your neurons. So if you're looking to generate a large number of neurons and you want to thaw the NPCs and you want to expand them up to get large numbers of NPCs and then differentiate into large numbers of neurons, you can do that. Or if you have some uncertain timelines and you want to expand your MPC line, and then you're thinking, "Oh, well, I'm going to have to, I have to go camping for this weekend, so I'm gonna, I've got to freeze this down, and maybe I'll thaw it out again and start on Monday." That, it gives you that kind of flexibility. Um, whereas neuron precursors, which are already Uh, on that path to becoming a neuron. So they're not proliferative anymore. You won't be able to expand them. You can freeze them down, but they're not gonna be as robust as the NPCs when you freeze and thaw them. So you might get a a slight reduction in yield, but in terms of purity uh, and efficiency of differentiation, they're pretty equivalent.
0: Excellent. Um, So once driving mature, so for driving mature astrocytes, uh, how many passages can you obtain from these?
2: Uh, I, I seen that question, I, I'll, I'll take that question from two different angles because I, there, there's two ways. could. So if you're thinking about how many passages of the NPCs can you derive mature astrocytes from, then that's so far up to passage 10 from the NPCs. Uh, and then if you're thinking about once you get the astrocytes, then how many times can you passage those? We've passage them um, at the end of our stem-diff astrocyte maturation phase, even up to 10 passages from there. Uh, so they can go on But that really depends on the the cell line that you're using. Uh, So if you start with the 3A derived MPCs and then make astrocytes from them, um, we've actually found because of that whole switch from neurogenesis to gliogenesis, if you start with later passage MPCs, you'll get a higher rate of gliogenesis and then those astrocytes, you could even passage on 10 to 20 times.
0: Fantastic, yeah, nice to hear. all right. Are the non-direct SETI 003 cells frozen as clumps or single cells?
1: Non-direct, so meaning the the parent line. So we freeze the parent line as uh, clumps um, or or small aggregates at uh, approximately um, one million viable cells per vial. Um, when we um, when you thaw uh, this. Uh, vial for the first time in your lab. Um, we recommend seeding at a at a range of densities uh, throughout a six well plate and uh, allowing that to recover for a week, and then picking the the, the well to continue your long term passages on from uh, with the optimal um, morphology, uh, which you know we look for for nice clump cultures. So uh, yeah, the parent lines clumps, iPSC direct single cells.
0: Excellent. Um... And uh, how many vials are provided when purchasing?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's just the one vial. Um, we do provide a guarantee with that individual vial that if our uh, protocol is followed exactly um, upon purchasing and thawing that vial, uh, that the cells will recover um, as we expect. Um, if they don't, um, of course, you can get in touch with our um, uh, uh, technical support team, um, and we'll either look to troubleshoot or provide another vial. Excellent.
0: Um, all right, what, what's the difference in passages between the 3A line and IPSC Direct?
1: Yeah, so the the parent 3A line, we freeze at passage 32, and IPSC Direct has been frozen at passage 35. Fantastic. Um, are, uh, what do you think is the best way to
0: get good quality NPCs from fully characterized IPSCs? And how many passages uh, do the NPCs need to be differentiated uh, to astrocytes? I think we covered the second part of that uh, a little yeah. bit, but... Uh...
2: All right, so obviously, when you're asking us, I'm going to say that the best way to get good quality NPCs from IPSCs <laughs> is the the Stem Diff Kit. Uh, so there are two different protocols that you can use for neural induction using the eye Kit. There's the Embryoid Body protocol and the monolayer protocol. Uh, we find that the Embryoid Body protocol is best when you are to start with if you don't know the neurogenic capacity of your iPSC line. So if you are not using the three A's, if you're using something else and you don't know if it's going to make good NPCs or not, then the embryoid body protocol is really robust. It will get you some where it, and you'll have to judge the efficiency based on your starting cell line. Whereas uh, a line that you already know is going to have a good neurogenic capacity, so it already differentiates well into NPCs and neurons like the three A's do, then the monolayer protocol is going to be a little bit technically simpler, uh, and it, it tends to be more efficient time after time. So you're gonna get a little bit less technical variability there. So certainty, uh, we lean towards the embryo body protocol I mean for reproducibility, the, the model layer protocol. And then, yeah, I think uh, I said in a, in a previous question that you can do passage the MPCs up to passage 10 and still get good astrocytes from those.
0: Excellent. Um, another question about passage number, this one's a little bit different. Um, what's the highest Passage uh, number of passages for iPSCs until they're not viable anymore. Uh, for example, could you start a differentiation protocol with iPSCs in passage forty-seven?
1: Yeah. So um, I mean, one you know, classic feature of iPSCs is is that they can be um, expanded in the undifferentiated state um, indefinitely. So as long as the uh, PSCs are uh, you know still expanding in this undifferentiated state, we wouldn't say that they're not. Uh, viable anymore. So of course differentiation experiments could be initiated at any passage number. Um, one risk of course is that with um, human pluripotent stem cells um, it is uh, there is an association between higher passage numbers and um, links to um, commonly acquired karyotypic abnormalities which is why it's important to check these cells um, fairly frequently. Um, and It's also been noted that some of these abnormalities have been linked to um, skewed or limited differentiation capacity. So, um, we provide the cells, um, as I mentioned, at passage 32. um, We perform a lot of QC on these cells, which I've just been through today. So, of course, after initiating these cultures, um these cells would be fine to um to to differentiate with you know straight away we've kept them going um i believe it's for about um 20 passages so far in-house and they've remained karyotypically stable um so you know we we we'd say that as long as our protocols are followed um yes it should be fine at passage 47 but you should of course be checking the quality of your cells perfect um
0: all right you recommend using the mtsr mtesr medium uh, but we currently use a different uh medium can we culture the ipscs with other cultural uh culture medias besides the mtesr
1: yeah, so um, this question is referring to our uh, m media, which is uh, for the uh, maintenance and expansion of undifferentiated pluripotent stem cells. So um, we developed the, uh, the SCTI-003A cell line um, for maintenance in uh, m Plus media. Um, so this is the media that it was previously uh, expanded in prior to banking. Um, we do highly recommend that you recover pluripotent stem cells in the media of which they were um, maintained in prior to freezing. So our protocol for thawing um, uh, states that you need to be thawing into MTSA+, and I would, I would recommend you do that. If you do need to switch media downstream, um, we haven't done that ourselves, um, but I don't see any reason as to why it wouldn't work. Um, the only thing that I would Stress is that um, when the, the cells are thawed for the first time, they do still go into MTSA+. plus. Fantastic.
0: Um, all right. Does do the cells need to be plated on Matrigel coated wells?
1: Um, I'm not sure if I was referring to um, iPSCs or, or neural progenitor cells. For the iPSCs. Um, I mentioned the culture system was MTSA+. Yes, we, we uh, manufactured those cells in plus on uh, HSC-qualified Matrigel. Again, that can um, be uh, switched downstream, but because it was manufactured in that system, we would recommend thawing into that system. We have also um, uh, tried uh, thawing these cells into Vitronectin XF, which we also provide as well, and, and, and that, would, that did also work. Um, So feel free to get in touch with us if you're looking for a protocol to do that. Um, But again, I don't see any reason as to why that wouldn't work on different matrices uh, downstream. And Erin, I I don't know if you want to maybe take uh, the neural progenitor cells, if if that's what the question was about.
2: Sure. So our nims protocol is uh, generally done on ES qualified matrix gel as well. Uh, But for the MPCs, if you want to thaw them and expand them, you can do that on MatriGel or you could do that on PLO laminin. Uh, And then for neuronal differentiation, we generally recommend uh, PLO laminin or PDL laminin coding for the plates.
0: Excellent. Um, All right. If if I want to use transcription factor-based forward programming to make neurons, uh, should I start with IPSCs or NPSCs, do you think? Um, And are there any advantages to use the latter over the former?
2: I, I can take that one, Andrew. <laughs> sure. Uh, I think there are protocols out there for both. Um, starting from NPCs is going to be a little bit, I assume that the, that the end goal is to generate neurons from either the IPSCs or the NPCs. Um, so the NPCs is going to be a little bit faster because obviously they've already gone through the neurochirurgic. Phase. Uh, so you can generally get with four programming approaches, neurons from NPCs in three to five days, uh, whereas starting from IPSCs, it's a little bit longer, uh, the usual protocols are sort of in the seven to 10 days, but it's, you know, five to 10 days is a pretty negligible difference. I mean, obviously starting with IPSCs, you're going to have that that almost infinite expansion beforehand that you can do. Whereas with NPCs, after passage five, you're going to start seeing a lot more spontaneous differentiation towards like glial lineage, and then your forward programming might be a little less efficient.
0: Excellent. Um, and I think in the interest of time, we'll just have one last question, but I wanted to ask you both, um, are there any, uh, looking forward, are there any advancements or trends or changes that you're looking forward to in, you know, for for stem cell development or or differentiation, uh, looking forward maybe five years, and it would be nice to get, I think, both your input. But uh, Andrew, maybe
1: we could start with you. Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that moving forward into the next five years, it's it's certainly really exciting right now to see um, all of the uh, clinical trials that are starting. Um, uh, in the, in the human pluripotent stem cell space. Most of the clinical trials up to this point have involved human embryonic stem cells, and we've seen a recent switch over to use of uh, induced pluripotent stem cells. And of course, many um, uh, biotech startups and, and pharma now using uh, gene-edited based approaches for um, creating cell therapies too. So um, of course, everything we've presented today is, um, is uh, research use only, but I think moving forward, we're seeing a large um, switch um, in this field to the to the clinical space and how these cells can be translated over to that space. So um, i'm I'm certainly following all of the, uh, the the progress with the clinical trials very closely. We saw some great results um, that were just published um, yesterday from um, from Vertex's diabetes trial, which was very encouraging. Um, And there'll be many more coming um, over the next five years, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, I'd say that's what I'm most excited for.
2: Uh, I think the thing that I'm most excited for in the neural field is how far our PSC-derived cell type differentiations are advanced. So we can make almost any cell type in the brain currently, uh, and now it opens up a lot of interesting possibilities about what we can do when we combine those cell types together. um, So you'll have the ability to generate complex co-culture models with say, neurons and astrocytes, neurons, astrocytes and microglia, uh, and then thinking, Forward to even blood brain barrier modeling, where you can co culture neurons, astrocytes, microglia, endothelial cells, and parasites. Uh, and that allows you to be able to do much more physiological modeling of diseases, um, of disorders of the central nervous system. Uh, and, and that makes th- that increase in the physiological relevance of these models means that we'll be able to. Uh, to screen more accurate therapeutics and and really refine the mechanisms of disease development and progression in a better way.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.